All right. Well, hello, everyone. Today is Saturday, the 1st of August, 2015. This is Wes Fryer, and you're watching STEM Seeds, and we're so excited to have an interview today with Vanessa Perez. And so we're going to just kind of start by going around, introducing ourselves, who we are, what we're doing professionally, um, and then maybe a summer update, like a cool summer thing. So, you know, that could be a personal or, or professional thing. Um, and then uh, we're going to just jump into questions with Vanessa. So I will pass it off to Amy first. Amy, who are you? What are you doing this year? Oh, yes. Well, I'm Amy Leffelholtz, and I am starting my fifth year of teaching STEM at Lakeview Elementary, which is a fourth and fifth STEM program. Um, I see all the kids in the school on a, on a rotation, just like the specialist teachers with math, or with music, PE, and art. Um, we are going back to some of the fun things we've done before this year. We're kind of circling back around having four years of curriculum under my belt. I'm starting to pick out my favorites and kind of rotate those back in. Um, this summer, we, my husband and I actually didn't do a lot of professional things, but I did teach a workshop with Wes early in the summer, and then actually we've adopted nine-year-old twin boys. So our summer has been all about the kids, and so it's been a great time, and they are very anxious to start school. I, on the other hand, am kind of still okay with not starting school yet. So, <laughs> so uh, are moving for that. I did get my curriculum book put together, so it is sent to the printers. At least I was afraid that might not happen. And um, I think that's that's kind of the big stuff here with me. So, all right, Vanessa. All right, Vanessa. Okay, I'm a computer teacher, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade at Tomlinson Middle School in Lawton. And I also am one of the sponsors for our after-school STEM club, Masterminds. Um, see, and I've just been on, like, the professional development summer tour. I went to California. I went to Kansas for uh, Podstock, and I went to iPad Palooza down in Austin. And I've just been learning so much. I, I'm so full of ideas for the coming year. That is fantastic, and that is exactly why we wanted to, you know, get together. And uh, I met the principal at Sequoia Middle School on Thursday at the Ed Camp that was in Choctaw, Ed Camp EOC, mm -hmm. and was talking because he has two teachers that went up to Vermont to the Create, Make, and Learn. Mm -hmm. So, and that's we got to talk about that with STEM Seeds, Amy. Like we ought to write a grant to get funding for next summer to go to Burlington, Vermont, for that. <clears throat> but we were talking about maybe. Um, having a Saturday morning that wasn't a, you know, crazy football, it's so hard in the fall, but for his teachers to share and others, you know, to do a share out of stuff. So um, I am now at uh, Cassidy School here in Oklahoma City. I am five minutes away, and to show what a difference that is, I've had a 30-minute commute the last four years out to UConn where I was teaching STEM at the other four or five elementary with Amy. Uh, I actually came home fired up the charcoal grill and grilled burgers for my kids uh, at lunch one time this week. So it is great to be five minutes from home. But um, we are a, a pre-K-12 school of about 850 students and very excited about um, instructional coaching, working with our teachers, and then STEM possibilities. We've got a fourth grade teacher, Art Lopez, who I'm meeting with this week that I talked to earlier about maybe doing a STEM club after school or a maker club. Um, ordered Minecraft EDU licenses this week. Uh, we're replacing two of our computer labs and just getting all the programs set to ghost or image those. And um, then also learned about Google Cardboard more this summer and just 
ordered some Google Cardboard, which actually I got a plastic version that my friend Eric Langhorst said is better because like if kids sweat and put cardboard up to their face, not not a good thing to do a lot of times. But you but the way Google Cardboard works is you take a smartphone, Android or iPhone, like a ViewMaster, it slides in front and the app then this 3D virtual reality and then the kids can be immersive in art museums or you know anywhere that they've taken these images and the teach they they launched Google Expeditions this summer so anyway with our art or with our high school art teacher that's one of the the collaborations I'm looking forward to doing with her so Vanessa tell us a little bit about you know you're doing your computer teaching how how has your teaching evolved and then what what have been some of your favorite stem STEM things that you've that you've done in the past few years, or how? Or maybe we should even just start at the beginning. What does STEM mean to you? Because when we ask that question, people have different ideas what does about that. STEM mean to me, you know, there's the the just the the shortcut of you know science, technology. I've heard this year, you know, people also saying tinkering. I like tinkering a lot because I think when you see technology, a lot of people are looking at the the high cost, high tech piece like a computer and forgetting like, no, technology is projectiles. Technology is, you know, anything that's a tool. And so I like tinkering. Uh, it's got engineering, I think technology, you know, art sometimes, uh, and then M for math. But I think, I think that STEM is just making stuff. That's, that's, it's doing and making stuff. Right. Amy, has your, have, you, have your thoughts on what STEM has changed over the, f over the five years, four years of teaching STEM? Um, yes and no. Yes, the fact that when people still ask me um, what does STEM stand for, of course, I still rattle off my acronym that I've been using for the past mm -hmm. four years. But at the same time, I am trying to branch it out more where I'm trying to still do things that I can incorporate several of those things in one because I really think STEM is not, well, today we're doing math, tomorrow we're doing science. You know, So I'm trying to hit all four of those categories but trying to do it in as, as many immersive mm -hmm. lessons as I can, where we use technology in a way that makes sense to go along with the activity we've just done. Or we use, you know, we use the math in a way that makes sense to manage the data that we just got from our experiment yeah. that we're doing. And so I'm trying to do that where I'm actually, as we'll say, I'm trying to trick kids into doing math in STEM because kids who think they hate math, whenever we use math in a real way where they get to do crazy mm -hmm. things like, the, you know, even the Ames activity by golly by gum, where we chew gum and then do the before and after mass of the gum to find out how much mass you lose. We do percentages and we do all of this stuff and they're like, oh, that's really cool. But there, it's mapping to know, but because we've done it in a different way, then it tends to be something they don't hate as much. It tends to have a bad attitude about math, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, and uh, Vanessa and I were at, uh, we did a uh, STEM, STEAM ideas session at the ed camp in Choctaw, and that idea of, um, well, one of the questions, just favorite lessons, I, I told them catapults, you know, from you, such an integrated lesson with a store, the kids had a budget, they had to get supplies, then they had to build, they had to plan, they had to build, then they had to test, then they had to measure, you know, mm -hmm. then we had to submit results, then we had to evaluate, you know, and that that kind of integrated lesson to me is the is the heart of STEM. So, um, Vanessa, what, I, go ahead. Oh, I just wanted to add on to that, like, to me, and this might be coming from computer science background, like, the that iteration cycle of, you know, prototyping, building, 
feedback and then going back to the engineering design process to me is just so important. I've seen people try to do a STEM lesson where it's like they didn't put enough time into it. So they were like, okay, we're going to build this and then we're going to test it. And now we're done. And to me, that, that really is missing that essential component of, of, of prototyping. Vanessa, what have your classes look like as far as schedule? Are you getting kids on electives? Is it a required thing? What, what is, and do you do several preps for different kinds of t computer classes? What's that oh, look yeah. like? Oh, yeah. So for my sixth grade, um, we're actually in quarters. And it's, it's as required as we can make it within the math bounds. Every, we try to get every sixth grader into my class for one quarter of the school year so I can hit a lot of, like, I call it introduction to digital literacy. We hit a lot of basics, we hit, and we hit a lot of those basics um, through STEM projects. Like, I never saw the point of, like, we're going to learn how to format an essay, and we're going to do that by giving you this fake essay that has nothing to do with anything. So instead, now we're doing a project, and then the formatting of writing comes in as part of your reflection piece. You know, uh, research comes in as part of your project. It's all I try to make it really project, you know, centric and task centric. So, do you have, are you doing all sixth grade then? Uh, no, that's uh, I do sixth grade for two periods in the quarters, and then I do two uh, two periods of seventh grade, which are semester long with a possibility of a year long if I have a kid who really, really wants to stay. And I just call that my like catch-all multimedia class. So pretty much anything goes as long as we can get something together. And then eighth grade, I have one multimedia and I have one full-year web design class. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, but I try, I try to be pretty flexible. Like last year, I had a kid who didn't, you know, he wasn't crazy about computers, but he liked me and he liked the way that we operated. Um, he loved music. So his his part of the multimedia was music and he would bring in his guitar and he would play the rhythm and the lead section of a song. He'd pick a song, then he'd have to find the drum track or, you know, the vocal track or whatever went with it. He'd uh, put it all together in Audacity and he had to come up with like a finished song every month. And then in addition, he'd do some other tasks for me. Like he wrote like the guide for how to use Audacity that my other students used. Nice. So I wanted to get into it. Yeah. And he was my, like, go-to guy for whenever I needed someone to run the soundboard or make music for something. So I didn't share this in advance, but we do have a Google Doc, and I'll, I'll share it to, to you either here or immediately after. I'll try to do it now. Uh, and then if you've got any links to drop in, um, that yeah. would be awesome. How has, how has uh, media sharing and sharing student work been in your district? And I know that's, there's some challenges there. And then for your class, like... So could, are those available um, for us to check out, or was that just, you know, shared within class, or how did the, because you, and now, well, and then I'll ask you another question about the yeah. iPad stuff, but how's that, how's that worked? Um, mostly, we do it, like, we, we're Google school, so we do a lot of stuff on there. Um, within district, there aren't very many mediums to push something out district-wide. So mostly it's when I, if I want to post it to social media or masterminds had a website and so, and that was open to the public. It hasn't, we didn't, we weren't using it as much this year, but we would always put the reflection and we would always put like their, their, I guess, end formal kind of presentation on there. I wish that they, we had had more video, um, but a lot of it is me pushing stuff. And I think this year I'm really going to put a lot out, um, like, I've been, we've been using our YouTube a little bit, and I think through Periscope, we're going to share out more and just have some set examples. My kids did portfolios, but 
we didn't really share those, and I know that's kind of the point, is to make them public, but... Well, I think there's both, you know. Yeah. Well, I'd love to hear more about your after-school program, but tell us a little bit about projects. What are, what are your favorite projects that you're doing in your tech classes with kids that you then surround that with writing and with some math and with other things? Okay. Favorite projects, uh, the Makey Makey is always my favorite thing. Um, I've been going to a lot of science over the last two years, so I'm really embracing that they're going with their standards, like, into inquiry, so, like, having a question. So with the Makey Makey, the way I start that off is um, I'll show them an example, like, you know, the banana piano. And for so people who don't know, tell, tell them what, what the Makey Makey is, because I bet there's folks <laughs> that don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the, so like, techie speak thing is that it's a... It's like a little Arduino computer that you can hook up for uh, physical computing. You can put anything, you can attach it to anything that's conductive, and it'll, you know, you've got a working circuit, and it'll work like a keyboard, or you can program it to be keyboard parts. Kathy was like, no, that's too difficult. You just have to say, banana keyboard. It's a inventor's kit you can use to make a banana keyboard. Okay, I'll say that, but it's... Um, it's really cool because you can hook up all sorts of different things, but I don't tell my kids um, that it has to be conductive. I, I show them the banana keyboard. I show them, like, Play-Doh, and then I, like, kind of go like this, and I'm like, you can take anything in the room, but you have to figure out what the essential element is that you need to make this work. And so then they'll spend a day or two, like, you know, playing with foil. They played with the chairs. They, you know, saw if they could do it, like, someone would hook it up to their glasses so it touched their skin um, and then you know they have to they figure out eventually oh if it conducts electricity then it'll work with the makey makey and they'll make all sorts of different things to go with it um, and then from there they can progress because it's an invention kit if they want to make an invention kit like I had the sixth graders uh, they made a doorbell for my room because we're really loud and we don't always hear people knocking so they made it so that it was they took copper tape so it would go outside my door and my door still could lock and close um, and then they had a piece of paper folded, and if you pressed on the folded paper, it would close the circuit. So it was like a hand, so we called it a handprint scanner. It wasn't really, like we just had a handprint drawn out on the piece of paper, and it was like, put your hand on that. And then the copper would connect and close the circuit, and they programmed a little thing in Scratch that it would do the most annoying cat noises until we answered the door or until someone acknowledged it. Um, so they did some like reflections and video around that and prototyping and that was all collaborative and then I've also had them do um, the I can't remember his name right now but he's got a PDF and it's excellent open source uh, lesson plan of you use a cereal box to make like an operation board game and they, they it's a really simple game to program in scratch but you know basically you have chopsticks and organs and things and if the the chopstick has copper tape or foil wrapped around the bottom, and then you've got, like, your board made out of the cereal box, and if it touches the foil, because, you know, when you're trying to pick up your body part or whatever, you lose points. Or if you're a smart aleck like my kids, they made it so that you actually won points and could never die. So, But it's really cool because they had to make the board. They had to decide, like, they, they were picking, you know, like, Homer Simpson and Hello Kitty instead of just a generic person, and they had to make all the little organs, and it was really cool. Yeah. Oh. Um, so do you get metal pieces then? I'm trying to visualize how this works with the cereal box. So you're taking, you're taking metal. Okay, so 
like there's the, the cereal box, and they cut out a piece of cardboard that will fit inside it so we, they can make their circuits go to different places, and they take foil. Oh, the foil. Okay, the foil is the metal. Yeah, okay. the, the foil is the metal in the circuit, in the in their little game board. I'll just show you a picture of that. Let me see. Okay. Well, and if you have a link, uh, and I apologize, I guess Kathy's still having trouble uh, getting on. Um, I just tweeted her. It's all these, like, math things happening at different times when we're doing a Google Hangout. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've got, if you do have a link, uh, I I don't know if you if you have showcase over on the left sidebar, Vanessa, uh, but if do you do you, do you see that with like it looks like three, yeah. yeah. If you click that, you can add like I put the link to Makey Makey and then said show, so I think you can actually put that and then I think other people. I just had. Oh yeah, now you're sharing your screen. I can see that. Okay, yeah, that's your uh, the Makey Makey Scratch Operation game. Cool. Josh yeah, Berger can, is the guy who made that up. That's so I'll cool. At that link, it it was so much fun, and I think it was the first time my kids had ever used the wire cutters. Yeah. So, oh, Real tools. Fun. Yeah. Okay, I'm good. I'm a little nervous about that, but I like tools. Amy, what are you doing this year as far as your lesson sequence? Like, you you said you got your packet together. What what did you settle on as far as, you know, the projects you're doing and putting in? Um, well, I'm going back to some of the things we've done in the past that we like. We are going to do catapults this year. Um, and we are going to be doing bridges with fourth grade. Fifth grade is going to do catapults. Everybody will be doing some kind of rockets. Um, some the fourth grade, I believe, will be doing air rockets, and the fifth grade will be doing the water uh, air rockets the way that you had done, Les. Um, I actually got approval to buy a water air rocket launcher, so that's good. So I don't have oh, good. for it because <laughs> usually I have to write a grant for all that stuff, but I just had talked to my my principal into it. I said, we're going to use it, and yes, can I just get this? And he was like, yeah, you can use part of your money for that. Okay, thanks. So um, we also, I was trying to think if there's new stuff. I don't know that we're doing very much new stuff. I'm going back, doing the egg drop. Um, uh-huh. They're going to do with the fifth grade, we're going to do the Pringles challenge, where they have to package a Pringles potato chip to try to survive through the mail. And so, and I actually do that just like the egg drop where they have to have a budget and they have to plan for their supplies and they have to they have to do sketches and they have to write about it. And so um, that will be for the fifth grade. And unless I decide to do egg drop with everybody, which I haven't ruled that out just yet, but that's how I have the book set up at least. Yeah. And we do some CSI this year again, go back and do CSI where they get to do the labs and we usually make... They do fingerprints and um, they do some chromatography where we do show where the um, how different inks separate and then we do some dental impressions and um, look That's at such a great styles under the microscope and so those are just things that I've I've done in the past and in light of how our lives have changed this summer and being a mom to two incredible kiddos um, I didn't want to try all new stuff this year because last year I did all new stuff and it about killed me. Not really, but just it everything was so difficult because it was all new. And so I think that in going forward I'm going to be mixing a little bit of new with a little bit of the old to make sure that I know how things are going to go part of the time just because the unknown is is very difficult. So, and I know we all do that as teachers, but when you're doing it with 24 classes, then you know it doesn't 
<laughs> the unknown just multiplies. Well, and as we've yeah, as we've talked about too, when you're doing it that many times, you better you better like what you choose, because exactly. <laughs> you well, probably won't like it when you're done with it. Exactly. I wrote a grant with the Cox Foundation, and I'm hoping to get it. But even if I don't, we're still going to have um, the engineering challenges, and we're going to do some makers centers. We're going to do some centers where they get to do the Rube Goldberg and some other things, and I hope that I get the grant so I can buy Legos enough to do the stuff I need to do, but if not, I may just be reaching out to friends who have lots of Legos and ask me, you know, if I can borrow them, <coughs> Shelly, and Les, yep. and see if I can borrow Legos <laughs> so we can do it. So, uh, but that's what, I'm looking forward to it. There's just a little bit of new, but most of it is stuff that's familiar, but it's not boring. The kids didn't do it last year, so it gives me a break from that as well. So... Cool. Well, I do, we do have five viewers, and if you'd like to post a question, we have this Q&A feature open, and it, it's kind of, sometimes it's confusing. On the Google Hangout, if you're on the Google Plus page, you can put text below, and so I'll try to check that if you have questions, but there's supposed to be a spot on the Hangout itself where you can ask a question. So if you want to throw something out to us, um, you know, do, and we'll, we'd love to respond. I want to ask about after-school stuff. What have your lessons learned been? We'll start with Vanessa on your after-school program, and then, you know, Amy might talk a little bit about what you're planning to do this year, because we've, both Amy and I have iterated, you know, with some different things. One of my challenges was just, let's just not all do Minecraft all the time, and, but, I mean, the mm -hmm. kids love that, so um, mm -hmm. what, what did, what did master, how, how long did Masterminds go, and then what, what have your lessons learned been doing an after-school program, Vanessa? Okay, well, we, we just finished the second year. The first year, we only did half the year, and we did, like, three times a week. Oh, we, wow. We had, a, we had a DOD grant funding us. Um, and then the second year, we went basically, I think, September to March, and we, like, let up for testing. But we – ours was not open. Ours was uh, targeting students who, you know, were not really interested in science or students who didn't have good like science scores or people, kids who maybe just didn't feel, you know, like it was possibilities for them in that field. Um, so it was a really interesting opportunity because we built a community. It was like we did a lot of collaborative work, but like there would be a lot of switching around between different groups and there was a lot of joking around. Um, and that was also probably why we learned that we had everything set up in units, like challenges, like Amy said, um, and then we would do like a day of prep and planning because we would give them a question and they would have, to, and we would say, here are the available supplies, okay, now you go figure it out, we have this many days, and they always went over, not because they were being lazy or anything, but it just, that's how it went, and then we would do a wrap-up activity where they would have to present to the entire class, and we do oral presentations and like multimedia presentations. Um, but I think we had 10 plans, and we probably did six, you know, but, but, what the, but the learning that was taking place was worth it, so I would say that time is really an interesting aspect, because we met this year twice a week. We could have projects that took five days, but it had to also be something that we could put away at the end of the day, um, at the end of each meeting, and that they would still have to go pick it up. You know, like, so we got tubs, like, just little plastic shoebox tubs, and each group would have one, and we tried to pick projects where they could put their all their supplies back in that tub, and they wouldn't have to rebuild everything or worry about, well, some other class needs to use this stuff during the day. 
so that was really that was nice. But um, when you say we, who who were you collaborating with? I worked with two science teachers at my school. Um, I worked with the sixth one of the sixth grade te science teachers and one of the eighth grade science teachers. So that was really good. Um, but when you when you do have an activity and planning like that, it's, it's scheduling can be so hard because uh, none of us have planning time together. And getting like they're not they're not into Google Hangouts and and stuff like that. So a lot of our uh, communication was through text message or through through a student. Um, but this year, this year was very interesting. We had a much bigger group. Um, I think we started out with sixty, but it it was great. It was fun. The kids were having a lot of fun, and you know a lot of the kids. I feel like because of what we did during after-school programs, some of the basics that they were missing through just their regular school science class, they were they were getting. <coughs> and, you know, we just, because there was so much flexibility, we had the opportunity for the kids to teach a lot of it to, to each other. And I think that always sticks more. Oh, that's great. Amy, what was the outcome last year? You had, you opted to do an all-girls and an all-boys. And, and then, so what, what happened with that? And then what are you going to do this year? Or what's your thinking? Because it may be that you don't have one. Like, you have an extra, you know, you've doubled in size for your family. So I'm not trying to put any pressure on an expectation for after um, school. So Last year, we, I was inspired by you, of course, Wes, to do a STEM club after school. And um, the way I took open applications and the way that I did it, it actually turned out that I had so many girls that applied that I did one session that was a mixed session because I only wanted about 12 kids. I only wanted 10, and then I had 36 apply, so I took 12 in each session because I didn't want to turn anybody away. And so um, I ended up having a mixed session, half boys, half girls. Then I did an all-boys session, and I did an all-girls session. And so um, it was it was very enlightening. I tried because I know the students pretty well. I tried I only did fifth grade. And so I tried to put girls that would not be afraid to speak out in the mixed session and girls that might have been a little bit more shy um, in the girl only session. So they wouldn't be I didn't I wanted them to come in and learn and not have to feel like they couldn't say something because it was a mixed crowd. Um, mm -hmm. The boys' session, same thing. The boys that I put in there in the mixed session were boys that would talk regardless, and the ones that were in the boys-only session were the ones that maybe people wouldn't have wanted to team up with normally because they were kind of shy or awkward, and that was... <laughs> the boys' session was very interesting. It was a lot of um, very interesting kiddos. And so, <laughs> not bad, just quirky, and just the kids who you have STEM because of these kids, you know, these are the kids that they live for STEM and they live for the day they get to come back to your class, but you don't necessarily think in your mind, I would love to hang out with that student an hour after school. <laughs> you just don't necessarily think that way, <laughs> but you do anyway because you know it's going to be good for both of you. How how were the dynamics different with single sex as far as having the girls um, all by themselves and the boys I, all by themselves? I let them kind of direct where we went, and so we did a lot more Minecraft with the boys, and then we actually did a um, a challenge where if you've seen the movie The Sandlot, 
they have a part in there where the beast steals the ball and they keep engineering all of these different types of ball retrieval systems to get the ball back over the fence. Have you have you still seen I've got to add that to my to watch. I still haven't watched it. Vanessa, have you seen the sandlot? Do you have any idea what I'm talking about? I have. About? I yeah. Okay. Yeah. So my boys in our boys stand in our boys one, they actually I gave them I pulled out all my trash and just said, You have to build a ball retrieval system. And so they tried to build something to get the ball back over the fence, which was a partition I had put up. And then my friend that was helping out with STEM Club, she had um, I had a dog house shoe on a big pole that she kept whacking their designs with so they would try to retrieve the ball without the beast attacking them. That was probably the most fun I've had teaching in a long time. And so just real honest, because it was pure creativity, and they just, you know, Whatever I had, it wasn't anything specific. They just had to figure out how they were going to retrieve the ball with all this trash. And so in the girls' session, we they wanted to do some more CSI stuff because we hadn't done CSI this year. They also wanted to do um, more. They did a little bit of Minecraft, but that wasn't their forte. They also wanted to do um, some more kitchen chemistry. So we did some more kitchen chemistry experiments. And so I had given them kind of a list whenever they applied of things that, here's some things, what would you like to see done? And so I let them kind of dictate the direction that we went. And um, and that's okay. I enjoyed it very much. All three of the sessions were different, and so I, I enjoyed them very much in what we did. So. Okay. Well, we do have a question that's come in. Actually, Howie DeBlossi pointed out, uh, if you're viewing and you want to ask a question, there's an icon at the top of your window that looks like a keypad that you can click. And then he's asked the question, how do you tie state and district standards to projects? So I'll do this and then toss it to Vanessa and then Amy. Um, so in Yukon, we're doing the Marzano model. And so we were big on posting our objectives um, and you know getting that you know up on the wall. And I wasn't, and then, and then working to to help students, you know, self-evaluate where they had a one, two, three, or four of mastery uh, with those objectives. Um, so, you know, my my main tie to those objectives, I could I can articulate all kinds of ties to standards for these integrated projects. Um, I tended to be spending my time getting stuff together and. I didn't spend as much time in detail listing every objective that we were doing, you know, in my lesson plan uh, every time, or I don't know. So we were we were doing that and trying to make students more aware of that. Um, Vanessa, what do you do for tying to tying to standards? Well, for my standards, I actually use the the ISTE net. For people who don't know, that's the International Society of Technology Education, and they have standards that are just super easy to use and are, are practically written, it'll be like, you know, students problem solve. Um, so for, for my personal standards, that works really well, but I love what has been happening with science standards um, as far as them they're being based on, I don't know how to say that. Like, well, more inquiry. They're more inquiry. They're not like, here's where we're going to talk about physical science. Here's where we're going to talk about this. They, they just make so much more sense and it's easier to tie things. I have a much harder time with math because math is written or has been written in a way that's completely different from any of the other standards. Um, but I think that, like Amy said earlier, when you have a project like that you try to get, 
all of the the stem pieces. I mean, I don't, I haven't found that, I haven't found myself having to stretch too hard. Mm -hmm. You know, they, when you have a really good project, it it comes together easily. Mm -hmm. Amy, how about you? Um, and it's evolved for me. When I started, uh, my principal had asked me to try to align myself with the fourth and fifth grade past standards at that time <laughs> as much as I could to try to align myself so that I would um, support what the classroom teachers are doing in addition to kind of enriching that. Now, uh, as we've continued to go and we've had more conversations and this has evolved, then he's like, do good STEM, you know, teach good STEM lessons. Those lessons are going to come back and, and coordinate with the, with the standards. I, just like Wes, have had to put up what our goals and objectives are, and so, but I make those, I make those myself for what we're doing. Um, I am interested in looking at the ISTE standards now that you mentioned that, Vanessa, because if that is something that will make <laughs> make the wording easier to understand for the kids and for it easier to understand yeah. overall, then I'd rather do that. This last year I tried to use, there's an eight math and science principles that's like what, how they were using, they were, they were common core ideas, and it's how they were using to kind of format our state science standards. And so um, they're like big ideas. They're like eight big ideas for science and eight big ideas for math. But the wording is so teacher. The wording is so academic that the, my fourth and fifth graders, their, their objectives are lost on us. They're silly. There's just no reason for it. So I tried to use those because I thought, well, those would be really broad and it would help me get done what I need to do. But it, they weren't effective. And so I'm trying to re revamp that for this year as well. So, You know, and one, I guess one... One thing I, did, I tied both years was was perimeter and area, you know, talking to our math teachers. What are concepts that kids are struggling with? And that was one of the things in Minecraft. It was the after we introduced Minecraft, we did, we did it both years. We did a perimeter and area challenge where students had to build a, you know, a, a house that had a certain area and then a corral that had a certain perimeter. And then this last year we did an explain everything. Um, where they talk through that and they use the laser pointer to count and to talk about. And, <laughs> you know, some of mine, they they still didn't get it as far as the perimeter. And and I got to visit with some of those kids. I mean, it, it's, those are hard concepts. So there is some of those ties, but it's, it's definitely not a meticulous, you know, day by day, cover every standard. I mean, that's something I think Amy, too, was given freedom to say, look, you're not replacing the science curriculum. You're not replacing the math curriculum. You are doing STEM, and you are, I mean, I viewed my role as number one, trying to set kids on fire with excitement for doing math and science and, uh -huh. and you know, trying to to do integrated lessons that they would see the relevance of it and use it in context. So I don't know. I can't believe my position, by the way, uh, old position at, at uh, UConn is still posted on their job site. We'll include that in the show notes. We don't know exactly. We, I've heard a few things. But the bottom line is, boy, if you would love to teach in a place where there's a lot of autonomy for curriculum and you get to work with Amy, I mean, what could be better than that? Um, every once in a while we got to see each other. We had to make those opportunities happen. It didn't just occur. But, That's why we did this. So yeah. yeah. So anyway, well, let's let's ask Vanessa to talk a little bit about grants. So we've talked we've talked lesson ideas. Vanessa, how have you gotten funded, and what what kind of things have you been able to get via grants and and other okay. you know things you've applied for? Well, 
I I came into a situation where I was not fortunate enough to. I don't just get classroom money from my school. I came in and there was nine dollars, and that was not going to auto replenish. And I'm really I'm not a fundraiser, selling candy bars type of person. So it was like I was I was bringing I was buying too much or bringing too much of my own equipment. So I was like I got to do something. What can I do? And I was like, well, I can write. I actually went to school for 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 English. I I can write. So I tried to start writing grants, and it's it's just snowballed from there. So we've gotten some really cool stuff. Um, uh, we we've gotten, you know, I think the first thing we ever got was flip cameras. That's how long ago it was, because um, we we really needed to have the ability to do video and to take pictures of things. Um, we got a classroom set of Makey Makeys. What does that mean? <laughs> how many Makey Makeys is that? I have twenty-five. You have twenty-five Makey Makeys. I have twenty-five. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Um, what else do we have? We have, and I, I'm like, I'm like almost ashamed to admit this because we haven't really used them. I got a Leap Motion and a Connect because you're supposed to be able to hook those up to Scratch, but we haven't gotten that advanced yet. But I have them. I don't even know what that is. What is a Leap Motion? Oh my gosh, a Leap Motion is like this little box. You hook it up to your computer, and it's how you can do like they have specific games and like things that you have set up. Like they have, they have a brain, and you can like take. Is it a sensor? Is it like a like Xbox a sort sensor. of where you move your hands and then it lets oh. you interact with the virtual? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, I went to the Scratch conference a couple years ago in Barcelona, and I got hooked up with, I think, Stephen Harwell, who wrote the software developer's kit for the Kinect and for the Leap Motion. Um, it's a really interesting story because apparently most Kinects are not purchased to play Kinect games. They're, they're purchased so people can hack them. And when how Microsoft do you spell that, found Kinect? that out. Is that, how do you spell that? Uh, Kinect. K-I-N-E-C-T. That is so cool. I forgot that you had gone to the Scratch conference in Barcelona. Mm -hmm. How many Oklahoma teachers have gone to Barcelona, Spain to learn all about Scratch? See, oh. Vanessa is a rock star. All of you should be following <laughs> oh. now. Well, that was through the magic of the Fun for Teachers grant, which I can I cannot like give them enough good press. Fund with a D, F U N D, for teachers, five thousand dollar grant for an individual, ten thousand dollars for a team. Uh, the Sequoia teachers that we talked about earlier, who are doing the the constructing modern knowledge workshop, are actually doing like a fab lab tour. Like they also, I met up with them at Podstock, and they're visiting so many different places, and that's through Fund for Teachers. Um, I'm talking to another teacher in Tulsa who just went to Hawaii to study volcanic activity. Um, it's it's amazing, and they give that's, you that's kind of that's kind of cool. It's just a little bit, oh a little bit. Not really a tropical person, but you know, <laughs> I heard she's too good. No. Wow. But I, what a fantastic opportunity because it doesn't have to be based around a conference. Like I think some people rented Harleys and they followed the Lewis and Clark Trail. Sweet. Wow. That. Did they did they blog that? that or did like like periscope oh, that? I, no, that was like <laughs> here we are on our Harley. <laughs> Uh, that was their first one. That was like, and I think they did another one. So that's how I heard about it. Is they did a, a separate project. I can't like you can't apply for another five years after you get it. Spread the wealth there. So I can't apply for a while. But I've got so many ideas, and they give you so much freedom to plan and to learn. Because I had written mine to be about STEM and to go to Scratch, and well, I got some really good deals. So I had extra money, and they were like, spend it. And I was like, okay, I'll spend it. So I got to go to other places. I got to go like to the birthplace of Salvador Dali. 
um, and study and go to his museum and where he's uh, where he's entombed. And I got to see so much of what's going on in Barcelona. It's so cool what they let you do. And then I had more stuff left over, and I got to buy some uh, a couple of Lego Weedos. Uh, and so we've got those to work with, uh, Scratch, too. Um, I got to do, and it, we did an entire lab makeover. I say that, but I'm, we're also never going to be done. Uh, we, we got a, a Lowe's Toolbox for Education grant, which was $5,000, which people, schools usually write those to do, like, outdoor classrooms. And I was like, no, we're, we need an action lab. We need to put the laboratory back in lab. And through that grant, um, <clears throat> Ooh, we were able to get like new seating like we have a seating menu now uh, we've got like stability chairs we've we've got that's how we paid for our green screen walls which are actually in a corner so that's really nice I think that's how we paid for for lighting for the cameras it's how we paid for oh that thing just paid for so much uh, to we paid for furniture you know just anything to make my room more about collaboration does that money have to be spent at Lowe's no, no, it doesn't. Wow. That was the best. No, they were fantastic. They did give me the option, though. They were like, you know, you might have a Lowe's that will be willing to volunteer and do things. And they worked really closely with me because um, I, I needed to get a table built. And so they, they were really hands-on with, like, what kind of laminate to order and things like that. Like, my shop teacher built the table um, mm -hmm. because I wanted one of those tables that's actually, like, a bunch of desks that can... You know, there were like hexagonal, hex, hex, I can't speak. Uh, hexagonal. Hexagon shaped. Thank you. Um, and so they would fit together right. And they were just too expensive to buy from a, com a company. So I went to my shop teacher and, and he was like, yeah, I can do that. Just give me the stuff. Nice. I can that. I like, nice. But um, we have so much stuff. <laughs> I have, and I've shown Wes this, but I have, this is like the centerpiece of my room. Um, we... We have uh, five large flat screen TVs in my classroom because my room is kind of built. Okay, let's repeat. You have five flat screens <laughs> in your classroom. I do. It's amazing. It's amazing. So I have those, and I can control them. So the kids, like, because I used to have, I can't see, you know, from far away, and they'd be like, we'd have to rearrange so everyone could get around a screen. Um, but I can control all of them from my computer or from. Um, my iPad, I've actually got it hooked up to VGA and HDMI. Um, my HDMI splitter is an 8-port, so I can contr also control. Um, so I've got them hooked up like that. And then, so now like you, if I have Apple you TV. You do that before we uh, the Google thing last summer with that the amazing guy in Fort Worth. I don't, and I don't remember his name. No, no, that was Omar, Omar Pastrano. Was Omar your, was he your inspiration I, for that? He was part of the inspiration. I had also gotten... Uh, a bunch of photos from one of my assistant principals who was at a college, and there was a, a, a college lab set up like that, and I was like, I need screens. I need screens. But, um, it's, so the kids can also, in each group, one of the computers is set up to operate the screen, so if they do group work, they can, they can you know, instead of just huddling around the little computer screen, and I put... Uh, a wireless mouse and keyboard at whatever the control computer was, so then they can also like pass around control very easily. Okay. But that that has changed so much in my room. 
Oh my gosh. Okay, well, and we need to tell you about the, or have you talk about the classroom challenge. We've gotten a bunch of questions popped up uh, in the chat, um, and your contact info, your V Perezzi on Twitter. I think I have that mm -hmm. shown on the on the showcase. Um, spell that for us. V P E R E Z Y. Okay, so that's Vanessa's Twitter, and then from there, uh, connect to, to other things. What so what have you what have you done with the um, the the uh, the challenge for educators as far as classrooms not ready. Okay, so I've issued the not ready tour challenge on discover.oklaed.us, um, and what I'm asking teachers to do because we're all starting to get back in our classrooms is to take either a photo or a video tour of your room in all of its you know disastrous disarray and kind of talk about your plans and what you have going on. I thought that was a really cool thing. Um, because I'm naturally nosy and I want to see what other teachers are doing and, you know, harvest from there. Um, but I also thought it was a nice idea for maybe some people who want teachers to see how early we go in and how this is like, this is not a, you know, the week before school starts process. This is a ongoing thing that a lot of teachers think about, even if they're not physically back in the classroom. When they come back, we have ideas. You know, we've got stuff that we're trying to implement and work on. Like, right now, I've been sanding my audio booth um, to get all the tiles to stick. And, like, I don't think that that occurred. What, you've been doing what now? Um, <clears throat> one of my closets uh, was converted into an audio recording booth. And we, had, we got foam tiles through the Lowe's grant for better acoustics in there, but they've been falling down all year. I've tried liquid nails, I've tried spray adhesive, I've tried Velcro, and so finally someone was like, well, you know, they lacquer those really heavy because it's a school and they want to, you know, in case, I was like, in case a kid went in my closet and graffitied it? I don't know. So what I've been doing is sanding it down so I can get a much better adhesion, and it's been working. But I've been going in this summer whenever I can to do that. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah and, and my you... friend Sarah has been going on. I'm sorry. Amy, are you? What's the status on the playground? Are you? Is the GoFundMe still out there? Um, it is. Sorry, I'm recovering from all of the ideas that Vanessa just blew my mind <laughs> with here. So okay. well, we have it recorded, so we, we'll go. We yeah, can go I'll replay this later. Watch it again because I'm just overwhelmed. Um, amazing, by the way, just amazing. Uh, playground. Yes, we are still doing a GoFundMe. That is something that we are going to be working on more this year. I. It, it is just so much money that we need. And we are trying to keep the momentum going, but it's one of those things that until there's a parent or a group of students who really just get on fire for it to help me, we're going to be doing it $1,500 at a time. And As background, just real quick, tell Vanessa yeah, may not well, know um, others what, what that is. This year, Vanessa, as we talk about the new stuff that makes you want to die sometimes, uh, <laughs> we did playground design this year. And what we did was the kids actually um, started with sketches, then they had to budget, and they had to literally build playground pieces in 3D out of my trash. And what happened then, they, um, we built them to scale and made all these little scale models that were kind of amazing. And we are choose, we've chosen one um, or a, a set of those playgrounds to raise money for to actually put new equipment on our playground because we, we need playground equipment. We are a former middle school and um, they put one big toy and six swings out there for our 150 kids at a time to have recess. And so 
our kids are, we're, you know, we have a lot of discipline issues at recess, and we have a lot of different stuff just because there's not enough stuff for them to do. And so, as you know, idle hands, and so they, we really oh. need that. Our school, however, um, is considered too wealthy to receive a lot of the big playground grants, and so we are having to try to raise that money on our own. And last year, I mean, it just, it took us 14 class periods to do that project, and so um, it kind of overwhelmed last year. Uh, so I, I'm looking forward to just getting the word out this year and trying to be able to focus on doing some fundraisers. Last year, the time just ran out before we had an opportunity to do that. We are working with a playground company who has um, taken our input and submitted kind of a design to us. So now we have a design that we can actually start raising money for so the kids can actually see that. And a lot of that, for $50,000, it's not much. And um, it looks like a lot of it is they have modified the big toy that we do have to add some more climbing elements and to add some of the stuff that our kids are very interested in. But it still seems like really not very much stuff for $50,000. And so I worry that even people who are giving us money for it are going to be like, oh. Because when you don't know how much playground stuff costs, you think uh -huh. you're going to end up with this amazing thing for $50,000 and it really, it's not much because it costs so much uh -huh. to do playground stuff. Amy, I need to put you in touch. There's, <clears throat> there's a, a, a woman at our school who does service learning and she's talked about maybe partnering with, with my wife's school, Positive Tomorrows. I don't know what the details are as far as the partnerships, but they've there's there's a playground initiative with volunteers and collaboration. So I'll, I'll pass that stuff on to you. Uh, we've got a question from Crystal Bookhamer, and she says, or she asks, what driving questions would be found to initiate uh, STEM alongside standards, keeping it simple and understandable? Any thoughts on driving questions for your lessons and units? Um, we would pretty much just, like to me, the driving question is, based on the challenge like I, I don't not sure if she's asking like if she wants something like how can we make this better but you know just well I guess the, the how can we make this better how can we make this happen or how to how can we make things change to me I don't know if I'm answering it the way she means Amy you want to try that one <laughs> I know <laughs> you started. I was glad you started Vanessa um, I I don't know. I'm I'm very much of the same there too with how do we make it better? And a lot of times a lot of the stuff that I've done, kids have actually said to me, Hey, like the playground unit, I think it would be cool if we could design and build our own playgrounds. Okay, let's do that. Yeah. With the freedom that comes with our jobs, if a kid suggests something, we can usually try to make it happen. There was a kid who was very interested in, in alternative um, energies and wind power, and so asked for some more information about that. I wrote a grant, and we got some uh, wind generators and wind turbines, and we were able to look at that. Mm -hmm. And so there's definitely um, – that doesn't help you. I know. I'm sorry, Crystal. That doesn't help you. Uh, there's definitely the opportunity there for your kids to be um, – driving that interest, but also I like to look at things that are being that are relevant right now and try to bring that into the classroom as well. Just like with Wes talking about Minecraft or like doing the kitchen chemistry or even doing CSI. 
the way try to do stuff that maybe I have an interest in or something that's very in in the media right now. Um, I'm wishing that we were going to do prosthetics this next year because now um, there's a lot of different stuff going on. Especially prosthetics are very much in the news because of all the veterans mm -hmm. that are getting prosthetics. So this year, doing when we did prosthetics this year, we had a lot more um, practical things to draw from to show that. Um, but I think part of it, if you let what is out there kind of drive you and also the kids' interests drive you, that will help make it real for them and that makes it alongside the mm -hmm. standards where it's useful actually, whether or not that's helpful. So my, my attempt at that is, there, you know, I, my wife did better with like a water unit and driving questions about drought and water and things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, I tended to be more on a project we were going to make and skills that were going to be around that. But one of my favorite things that evolved in the last two years were, was curiosity links. I would try to share those at least once a week and I had those on my Google site that students could go back to. Those were usually um, some videos, articles, and uh, one thing that came out at the end of the year, I don't know how many people realize this, but there was a United Nations conference in like Geneva, Switzerland about killer robots and whether robots should, whether there should be United Nations um, like agreements to not let autonomous robots kill on their own. Um, I, I just heard uh, right now in the DMZ in Korea, the U.S. Army has robots that have a switch, and right now they're just set on like guard mode, don't kill without a human pushing the button. But there's a switch mm -hmm. on those robots they can flip, and those robots can kill on their own. This is today, right now. So I shared oh this link with yeah. my kids, and it was it was one of several curiosity links. But we, and, and you know how some classes really get into stuff and others not, but I mean in one class particularly, they got into this, um, and, and then I had some boys create a video on the green screen where they were talking pro and con about killer robots, like it might save lives, but really we don't think the technology is advanced enough and, and you know, innocent people are going to die, and etc. And then those kids stayed on me, they're like, have you tweeted that to them? And I'm like, I didn't tweet it yet, because we had a lot of videos and Sometimes it was overwhelming to, you know, get things published and shared. So that wasn't a driving question. Like I sit out and said, hmm, are killer robots ethical and should we use our technology in that way? But out of curiosity links came discussion, came kids that said, hey, in our maker studio, can we go to our green screen and make this video? And then can you share that on our channel and then tweet it to them so they'll, they'll hear our opinion? Awesome. And that was really cool. That happened at the end of the year. And, um, awesome. you know, I... I love that. I, I love so much when kids are so excited that they don't, I mean, there's always kids that are like, can we please stop talking, you know, and then make stuff. So I try to limit that to like 10 minutes. But every once in a while, we'd have a conversation that kids would really get excited. They were asking questions, and it, it didn't happen that often that, you know, then they wanted to take it to the next level to say, well, can we do something about this, or, or what can we do to learn more? So I, I think every it, curiosity links are a great thing. It's just something short. It's a way to bring in, uh, like you said, Amy, current stuff, prosthetics, um, you know, video, and then and then and then, and then that can go into writing. You know, that can become a writing prompt, or that can become uh, a research topic, or or something else. We have five minutes left. Uh, if we're gonna end, I mean, we could go a little bit over, but we probably want to stay pretty close to an hour. Uh, again, if anybody's got a question you want to toss in, we'll, we could try to answer it. But we're going to do uh, picks of the week. So, uh, Vanessa, do you have a, a pick of the week in mind you'd like to share? And then we'll go to Amy and yeah. I'll do it. 
Um, I wanted to share uh, Diana Rendina's website. She's a librarian out of Florida who uh, she works at Stewart Middle School and she started a makerspace in her library and I feel like she's been a real trailblazer for library media specialists in that way. Her website is renovatedlearning.com uh, and she's just got She's, she's starting to have like a huge presence at a lot of uh, like fame and at ISTE. Um, and she's just, she's really inspiring and she's really good at making those things seem accessible to people who maybe are like, you know, I don't know what this makerspace thing is, but it seems to be something I might want to try. She's, she's a fantastic resource. Great. Super. I'm putting that into our showcase, and uh, we'll be putting all these things into our, our show notes at the end, mm -hmm. and this uh, presentation will be available as an archive Google Hangout as well as audio. So, Amy, do you have a pick of the week? Well, um, something that has just fascinated me this week was the little boy that had a double arm transplant. Have you seen this? No. I, um, I don't know what his name is because I, I didn't come prepared with the actual link. But if you do a search for double arm transplant, it will show you. I, I'm just overwhelmed by the technology that is letting that happen now. Um, it's a little boy, and he had bad, he had like bacterial meningitis, I guess, when he was younger. He ended up losing both arms, or both, uh, basically from the middle of the arm out, so he didn't have any hands and didn't have any feet. He is getting prosthetic legs. But um, he also had to have a liver transplant or a kidney transplant, so he was already on immunosuppressant drugs. So they were they were available then that they could actually try to do this double hand transplant on this. I think he's eight year old little guy or five or eight. He's some, he's very young. Anyway, the video um, it was a news story that they had. I. I'm just amazed at this technology and that the fact that they can actually do this. And so, and that's where what we're doing seems, you know, when I'm building bridges and we're we're doing catapults and it seems like we're not doing much of anything, but my hope is that we're going to turn kids on to the science that is needed for these kind of procedures and this kind of thing to go forward. And so, um, even though it doesn't necessarily affect us directly right now. I just think what we're doing is so important in stimulating their brains and helping them think outside the box that hopefully they'll be able to use that and go forward and be the next game changers with this kind of thing. Uh -huh. so. Amen. Amen. That's awesome. I, 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 did, I got a link and, and dropped that in. So it's amazing. That's fantastic. Okay, well, I'm going to I'm gonna cheat and do two, but I'll try to be quick. Uh, my first one is the Story Chaser Student News Challenge. Um, a couple years ago when I was still coaching in UConn as an instructional coach before teaching STEM, I helped at Lakeview at Amy School uh, to have an after-school Story Chaser Club mm -hmm. and, and worked with three other three other teachers, and um, that was a, a chance for kids to learn how to interview each other with audio, how to do short videos, and, and post photos with text. Well, Story Chasers, which is a nonprofit that I'm involved in, has about 50 backpacks with a digital camera, 12 megapixel, uh, digital audio recorder like this, $50 Sony, and USB headset, like 
kind of what I'm wearing here, uh, to give to teachers, and we will mail it to you. If you agree to share student news at least at least one post um, a week is what we ask for, then we mail you this backpack. And so um, I've I've gotten five folks who um, you have to record a little video, like a 30 to, to you know 90 second video. Please share the word. We'll include that link in the show notes. Um, we got to get rid of this stuff, and the and but we want to help you know encourage journalism and students you know acquiring digital literacy skills to do that. And then my second one, really quick, is I just launched this uh, last night, but this has been in the mix since since March. Um, it's called the Oklahoma Ed Learning Showcase at the Ed Camp in Oklahoma City in March. We were talking about this uh, in Yukon again. I had started a, lear a learning showcase website. Sorry, and I've been on Amy the whole time. Um, I didn't. I forgot to mess, move the camera. And um, so this is oklaed.us. O k l e o k l a e d. Us. And this is a place to share student work and to be like a team blog for for uh, teachers around the state to share. We just did a session Thursday in Choctaw at Ed Camp. Uh, at the Ed Camp there and um, brainstormed and talked more about this. So there's links to uh, example policies for permissions and stuff like that. If some districts aren't doing that, as far as asking parents and students for permission to share their work, you can see some example links. I think I've got to fix a couple maybe that are broken. But I'm just real excited about that because I think the more we can um, share student work and, and be inspired, give those kids an audience, and then, you know, help help spread the word we're evangelizing not only stem but also you know being connected educators and sharing um, that I, th I think this it'll be it'll be good so Vanessa last words of wisdom as we start the year what's your advice to all all the teachers out there that are going to hear this we don't actually know how many people there may be 20 people but <laughs> I think it's my advice right now my whole like motto is you get what you give like I've I've been extremely fortunate in the connections that I made with like Wes. Like when I found out Wes was in Oklahoma, I think I became like a stalker. Um, but like I've had that kind of like thing happen lately where I feel like I find someone online and I'm like so inspired by them and I contact them and they they tell me things and they give me advice. And so when people come to me now and they ask me questions, I'm gonna help you out as much as I can and give you that time because it's so ongoing and I get I get ideas from people who think they don't have anything to share but they they do and I just I love that back and forth input and that being that being a connected educator awesome. so I would tell people who maybe are kind of lurking like get out here all right Amy your advice to start the year teachers who are thinking about stem ideas what what, what would you say just to start small and because if you want to add a little bit of STEM ideas into your class, even small challenges that you would maybe do different icebreaker games and do different things. You could do a STEM straw challenge where they have to build something out of straws and tape. I mean, there are so many resources online. If you're interested in just getting your kids to think outside the box a little bit, there's definitely very easy and inexpensive ways to do that. Um, but don't be afraid to do it, even if you're not a science teacher. It doesn't matter because you want your kids to think and you want them to think um, in creative ways. And so STEM is a great way to make that happen. All right. Awesome. Well, with that, I think we will wrap up. And uh, please push, uh, sh 
spread the word. Uh, stemseeds.org is our site, and we're stemseeds on Twitter, and we will make no promises about how often we will do this, but we will do some more. And um, all, I, I can also say this. One of our librarians, um, Michelle Freeland, she and her husband, Jason, built a 3D printer this summer, uh, and I guess at the end of last year, and so she's agreed. We got to work out this the Saturday, but um, they've agreed to come on and kind of tell that story. Um, one of her kids in the STEM camp this summer, her flip flop had broken, and she figured out how to print the 3D part and fixed her flip flop. I mean, that's kind of cool. Oh my gosh! You know. Um, Anyway, I'm just excited to learn because she went to ProTech, which is this makerspace we have in Oklahoma City downtown, and they helped coach them which one to get. But her, one of her advices was, if you're not ready to tinker and mess with this, just borrow and use somebody else's. You don't want your own 3D printer. But um, anyway, that this fall, I don't know exactly when, that'll be somebody that we'll have on STEM Seeds. And, and if anybody has other suggestions, you know, be thinking about who you'd like to have on. So okay. over and out. All right. Sounds great. I think we lost Vanessa. We did. We did. But hey, we, we kept her for all the rest of the time. So I'll go ahead and stop the broadcast. Right.